Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Don't, uh, don't upset. Um, oh no, I'm going to forget his name. It's a, it's a toffee? Yes. Toffee. Toffee, yes. This I was is, like, ooh, I know this, it's a sweet. This is toffee, everyone. Oh. He was under my arm for this whole debate in which I was talking about why dogs are annoying. <laughs> but he, it's okay, he was asleep. Oh, the cruel irony. If only he could understand you. <laughs> if anyone else like Jack is feeling tense about modern events, feel free to mm. examine Toffee's delightful face. Look at this. Oh, look at that doggy. What a oh. cute what a cute face that dog has. He's having the, he's having a little snooze. Look the, the cute face in the cone of shame. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. Well, that's that's less cute, but well. we have to stop him licking his absence of balls. <laughs> well, let's get on to non-player characters uh, and their tendency to be annoying. I know you and I went down a list. Uh, top top on the list was uh, was like Ashley from Resident Evil Four. Yes. But that's an interesting uh, paradox because Ashley was undeniably annoying the way she'd keep yelling your name. Mm-hmm. Help! Leon! Help! <laughs> Leon! Stop being axed by murderers over there and come help my helpless ass. Mm-hmm. But strangely, the sidekick character in the next Resident Evil, Resident Evil 5, was somehow more annoying than Ashley. And that character was supposed to be like um, a full-on a full-on partner they had their own guns and their own equipment and they were all joining in with the combat and stuff and the reason why they were more annoying is that when you're playing single player resident evil 4 you can stick ashley in a bin at certain moments and not have to worry about her (laughs) well and and um the problem with what's her name sheva sheva i think her name was in resident evil 5 Mm -hmm. was that uh she kept using the fuck out of all my health items when I didn't want her to. Significantly more annoying. And I like I've always I always felt like Ashley was righteously annoying. Like, you know, she's a teenage girl, she is useless in general. <laughs> yeah, that was that was like her annoyingness was part of the adversity and challenge of the game. Yes. As like you are a lone agent sent to um, rescue this piece of fluff from a mortal situation. <laughs> Yeah, and no, and she I, I is like, going to be absolutely zero help throughout the entire time, which I feel like is very accurate to her character. Y- yes, like a, a the president's yes. daughter would be useless in this situation. That was why Sheva was more annoying because you were supposed to like her from the game's <laughs> perspective. You were supposed to like her and rely upon her. <laughs> Meanwhile, I lose like two health points and see her sprinting towards me with a with a full heal first aid kit. And I'd be running away with more fear than I ever <laughs> fled from any other monster in that game. Yes, I am absolutely with you. Which, like, I to me, this 
this is like the 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 crux of the question here is what makes what makes a good NPC and what makes a good NPC go to the dark side of annoying? You know, what See, are the yeah. triggers? See, this has been a question for a long time. And before I played Life as New World 4 and 5, I would have said the way to make an NPC not annoying is to make them at least helpful to gameplay. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I mean, like, let's get some other examples. The sidekicks from Daikatana. Very annoying NPCs because mm-hmm. you're supposed to rely on them and they're completely helpless. <laughs> You'll get to the end of the level and the level will say, you can't continue without your two friends. Mm-hmm. and you'll look back and then you'll have to trace back through the level to find the piece of geometry they've gotten caught on or something <laughs> but, sure, then in con- sure. but then in contrast you have games like Half-Life 2 where you hang around with Alex a lot mm-hmm. who is never annoying as an NPC because she's actually helpful in combat and she doesn't need you to untangle her from geometry because right. she's actually well programmed yeah, and she occasionally provides light story moments for you to enjoy. Mm. Absolutely. I think we can look to something, you know, and I, obviously we use this example a lot. I'm not going to apologize. Something like Stardew Valley, where cultivating those relationships is one part of the gameplay and two has benefits, giving you recipes, giving you uh, romance options, uh, giving you more story. Yeah, you get a benefit from uh befriending characters in that you some of them send you recipes but that's not much of a benefit certainly doesn't really outweigh the effort that goes into befriending some characters Mm. just getting a fucking recipe in your mailbox now and then that you could have gotten from the tv (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know i I think in stardew valley it's a completionist thing you want to make friends with all the neighbors because there's like clear quantifiable numbers showing who's your friend and who isn't and obviously you want the most friends well, you know, uh, well, I mean, obviously, and, you know, the the gameplay of Stardew Valley being as wibbly wobbly as it is, maybe that wasn't the best example. Uh, very recently, I've been playing a ton of uh, Dark Souls 3. Ooh, that's uh, funny, because I've been playing a ton of the Demon Souls remake on oh. my new PS5. What Ooh. I've got. You, uh, you, you lucky duck, you, you got a PS5. <laughs> I'm a lucky, very annoying duck. <laughs> I, I promised myself I wouldn't gloat. Because I remembered well, how it felt before I had one. We won't take that as a gloat, more just a, an accomplishment. I know you were trying to get one for quite some time. Well, it was more Nick's accomplishment, credit where well, it's due. Thanks, we had to Nick. deal with like the audience to find someone who could volunteer to send us one. Mm. We appreciate that, Nick. Well, I'll appreciate yes. it if Nick can find me one next. Yes, and Wes. I appreciate <laughs> you now, Nick. Now you have to work on Jack appreciating you. Mm. But anyway. Well, in, in any case, what I was saying is in Dark Souls 3, there is a wonderful friendship side quest that culminates in a useful ability, which is that of Onion Bro. Uh, mm. You know, not original on Onion Bro. I don't believe. I don't believe he's the original. Sigmund. No, original Onion Bro. Uh, I think would it be too much of a spoiler to say that he dies in that game? Whatever uh, you do, I mean, everybody dies, right? Everybody dies all the time. This is Based, so. This yeah, is a- especially characters <laughs> who are like friendly NPCs in From Software games. They right. almost all of them are dead by the end of the game. It's true. That's, but part in- of, that's part of the effectiveness of Dark Souls. You know, you you meet mm. all these friends. 
Mm-hmm. And um, you're, you're together around the campfire discussing this dying world we're in. Mm. And then the fact that they get picked off one by one by circumstance just further illustrates the decay of the world around you. It's true. It's true. But and I suppose like even thinking about other NPCs, you know, like going through their dialogue, making sure you talk to them as much as you can unlocks useful benefits, whether it be just with with simple like uh, emotes that you can get or letting you buy stuff from them. But the the Knight of Katarina in Dark Souls 3, if you go through his entire friendship side quest, you have to find his armor for him. You have to, you know, help him uh, with soup. I forget. I, you, you just have to find him and talk to him in a bunch of different locations. Eventually, if you do all of that, he will come and fight uh, the giant with you. Mm. And it's not it's not a, a thing. Um, it's not a. Uh, like a, a spirit where you have to be embered and you summon him. He just shows up in an epic cutscene, and I wasn't expecting that in my first playthrough. And he showed up, and I was like, "I did it! I got Onion Bro to fight with me!" And that was like a little, a little friendship quest that had a, a very satisfying conclusion. That is a good NPC, but mm-hmm. it's interesting you bring it up. It's interesting you bring it up because. While that's undoubtedly a wholesome story about an NPC in Dark Souls 3, if you you recount his story in Dark Souls 1, at every turn it sounds like he should be an annoying character. Yes. And when you think about it, where uh, where do you meet him? You meet him like outside Outside Sen's Fortress, right? where he's just sort of like waiting for someone else to open the door for him because he can't be asked. (laughs) Can't figure this out. Hmm. And then mm. every time you meet him in the game, it's basically he's like being useless and you have to bail him out in some way. <laughs> yes. But and, he... then, and then like the final encounter with him, spoiler alert, you meet him in like the demon ruins far underground. Mm. And he said, you've helped me out so many times. I'm going to have to return the favor now because it's part of my knightly honor, part mm-hmm. of my code of chivalry. So he immediately hurls himself into a battle with several enemies that outclass him. Yes. And you've got to go and save his dumb ass if you want to get the best possible ending. <laughs> Actually, it's really annoying because if you just like do all the work and save his ass, he, he realizes his, he's still dishonored mm. and he kills himself. If you don't save him, then he gets killed by the monsters, obviously. So you have right. to sort of find a balance. You have to let him do some of the work, but make sure he doesn't die. Right. And even if you do, and even if you do that and he doesn't kill himself, you find his corpse later on because he dies anyway. Yeah, but you can if if you get the balance right, you can reunite him with his daughter. Yeah, and then his daughter kills him because he goes hollow. That's how he right. dies at the end. Right, but there is there is a, a bit of a satisfaction in their reunion. You get a little bit of of wholesomeness. Well, you, um, you don't even meet. You don't even see them meet again. You just you just find her and his here. corpse lying there, just in your head. You get a little bit of wholesomeness. all right, and yeah, in your head you can imagine them meeting. But but as I say. All of those ingredients sound like it should be an annoying character, but he's one of the most beloved characters. Mm-hmm. That's he partly is. why he came back in Dark Souls 3, I assume. Because what was Dark Souls 3, if not a great big, hey, remember how good Dark Souls 1 was, circle jerk. <laughs> Absolutely. Abso- freaking uh, And I'm okay with that. But but you're right. He He's useless. He he's he has what should be annoying lines. You know, his his qu- always questioning. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps for 
Onion Bro in particular, Dark Souls being such a dour, dreary game, literally anyone who can offer you a little ray of sunshine gets mm. that honor. Same with, with Sun Bro. Yeah, I noticed saying the phrase, a little ray of sunshine, reminded you of him there. <laughs> But you know like these are these are characters who offer you a little bit of levity in such a dour place. Mm. And I think we might be yeah. closing in on some kind of answer to the question of what makes an NPC not annoying. Ooh. And part of it is that they fulfill their intended purpose, intended by the developer. Okay. Like as we say, Ashley is annoying but she's supposed to be sure. part of the whole experience. Mhm. And Sheva is annoying in Resident Evil 5 because the developers genuinely wanted you to like them. Sure. So I think intention is a big part of this. Ooh, I like that. I like that. uh, Sunbro is, I mean, uh, Onion Bro rather, is supposed to seem like helpless and uh, doddering in the first game. (laughs) And And because he effectively brings that across, makes him not annoying as an NPC. Absolutely. And you're, you get your final catharsis when you see a knight of Katarina actually kicking ass in Dark Souls 3. <laughs> well, not before time. Well, <laughs> you know, a lot of buildup, a lot of buildup. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, so I wonder how that would relate to, you know, like looking at our list now. Yeah, something. Let's, let's, let's go. Shall we go down our list of annoying characters? Well, well you top know, of the list, which a lot of people were probably expecting or yes. probably thought of when we mentioned <laughs> annoying characters in games, Navi from yes. Zelda Ocarina of Time. Hey, 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 li- hey listen, hey, 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 listen, hey, listen. <laughs> yeah, which goes along with my current theory, because mm-hmm. the developers of that game intend you to uh, like and consider them helpful because they're your constant companion and tutorial person mm-hmm. but they are also navi uh is also a bit of an exposition dump and so you oh, have yeah. to that... listen to navi a lot when you don't necessarily want to oh you know who was even worse for that was your sidekick in zelda skyward sword mm. where I remember that every one. it was even worse every five steps they'd come out and like they have long and skippable dialogue for what you're supposed to do next oh and that character was like supposed to be like this computer voice, so they'd use they'd use spurious rigor. There is a ninety percent chance that you must now proceed to the next dungeon. <laughs> ugh. Ugh. Right. And so like and you know, that's a tough like exposition dump is a tough burden that someone needs to bear in a lot of I mean, not just video games and movies and books and everything. Mm. Um, but to give that to someone who just says, Hey, listen, hey, yeah. hey, ugh. Being unskippable probably doesn't help. (laughs) So how would you do to make a character like that not annoying? Hmm. It's instead of like stopping you dead and jumping out and going, hey, listen, dumb twat. (laughs) What if it it was gentler? What if they didn't pause the game and and like they just sort of Hmm. gently appeared out from behind your head and say, "Um, excuse me, just a sec, just a sec. Just one thing. Just one thing. If you could, if you could just, I, I, know, I swear this will be really quick. This is the bad part yes. of the game. We all know this is the bad part of the game. <laughs> and they just scroll the text along with the player still able to move around. I feel like I feel like that 
that just kind of puts a Band-Aid on the problem because because really the problem with Navi or any character like that is it stops the game. Yes. And even if you're still able to move around, you want to pay attention to what they have and it still stops the game. And so it's to me, it's a it's the problem with tutorializing in general. Have I mentioned that one of my current pet hates for video games is where they have audio logs to like build backstory and stuff, mm. but you can't listen to them while playing the game. I remember you, you have mentioning to go that to about a menu. Yeah. You have to go to a menu and turn on the audio log and sit there like a lemon listening to it without navigating away. Right. I hate that because I want to be playing the game. Oh. Oh, hold on, Toffee has some things to add to this conversation. Toffee wants to scrape his plastic cone against the mic and be very annoying. <laughs> Speaking of annoying NPCs, yeah. <laughs> Toffee getting Speaking in on of, it. Speaking of annoying dogs. <laughs> well, but uh, but I think like that's like you said, if it, it all goes down to intention, right? Mm. Which is like Navi. Navi is serving her purpose as like the tutorial basically but it's not implemented in a in a natural way where mm. i know someone i put on the list here as annoying is like the crestfallen warrior from dark souls and shanolate from dark souls 2 and i think and even remind me who shanolate is she she's the, the person by the fire who you level up with oh the emerald herald yes Bear and seek seek lest Seek, seek, seek. Uh, well, and I would put like the the fire uh, shrine maiden in uh, from Dark Souls three in on this as well because you have to talk to them so often that they just keep repeating the same thing. You say, "Listen, I have one purpose here: seek, seek, set fire, yes. fire." Sorry. Yes, bearer, seek, seek. Yes, <laughs> yes. yes. And- <clears throat> so that's another thing. Is um, well, at that point the repetition sort of breaks immersion doesn't it they lose mm. humanity at that point yes not in the dark souls sense i mean they don't feel like a human being and they're just re- robotically repeating the same lines it feels more like interacting with a system than with a character right right and you know navi we got to that point with navi really quick because she was so annoying where all we were doing is going like yes i know how to yes i know how to do th- yes i know how to do this navi um, ooh, and so that was the unintended consequence, is the break of immersion. I reckon you could probably do any game tutorial without dialogue. Mm. I'm going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to say it is. it would be possible to tutorialize any game mechanic without dialogue. Maybe you could have like an icon of a button with an arrow pointing at it. Sure. Say, press this now to do thing. Uh-huh. But I'm going to say you do not need dialogue to, to, to tutorialize. Ooh. In, in a perfect world, I want to agree with you. Like, that's in a perfect world, all tutorials would just be natural in the world. Right? <laughs> so that little tail in the corner of my <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you would hope. You would hope yeah. that you I mean, would just be a bit able to do a, that. I'm being hypocritical here. There's a lot of dialogue in my game, tutorializing stuff. But <laughs> is that just? Okay. Oh boy. 
this is a great podcast for animal friends. Yes. Oh, look, it's a big fat pussy. Is <laughs> Hi there, kitty. Yes, I will pet you and you can be on camera as well. Um, right. And so it's like writing, writing a tutorial with dialogue and spelling it out like that is probably easier from your perspective. Yeah. Because um, it's certainly... I guess it's hard to imagine people, uh, every single person on earth, understanding a visual tutorial. Mm. I mean, there's a lot of uh, imagery that isn't universal, I suppose. Sure. Not like and, not just that, but the the context. You like if if you were to tutorialize something without any words, you would have to put up the exact context in the game. Like the simple example is, is the original Super Mario brothers. They just give you something that you can't walk over. So you have to jump. They are tutorializing you to jump, right? Well, let me like slightly adjust what I just said. You can, you can tutorialize with dialogue, but the dialogue doesn't have to be like direct instructions. Okay. So yeah, you could have something like portal two, for example, where you got characters having funny dialogue with you the whole time. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, telling you how what to do next, but it never comes across as like an obnoxious tutorial the way like Navi's dialogue does. Sure, sure. Hmm, it, it feels more contextual, I suppose. Well, and, and, like and in, the, in it's more in universe. Yes, you know, very simply done in the first portal. I don't remember the tutorial section of Portal Two, unfortunately, but in the first portal, you know, of course, that was all part of the. Uh, of the tests that shell was doing right was basically the tutorial <laughs> yes it was always a bit li- bit of a bit of a lurch when you played a metal gear solid game <laughs> and you play metal gear solid and it's like you're in the torture scene in metal gear solid and revolver ocelot says don't remember to press this button repeatedly to not succumb to the torture and don't use auto fire <laughs> which was a bit of a lurch you know, it just took you took you out of it a little bit. It takes hey, you out of the universe of the game just for a second. Hey, remember, you're still playing a video game. Hey, hey, yeah. listen, you're still playing a video game. Hey, listen. All right. Well, that's uh, the issue with Navi specifically being annoying. Hmm. Okay. Let's move down the, let's move down the list. Let's move on topic-wise. Okay. We've got Guilty Spark from Halo there. Yes, the, the little AI companion once you get into the library of Halo. See, my first thought was, for some reason, I thought of Peter Dinklage, but he voiced the character in Destiny who was like Guilty Spark. Yeah, but who <laughs> yes. you were stuck, but who you were stuck with for the whole game. The other little floating robot computer thing. Yes. Yes. Well, and you know, I only put him on the list because he. I just didn't like listening to him. <laughs> you know, like I just thought he had a very annoying voice. He tells you what to do and is generally useless and more so like Guilty Spark tries to be funny and fails. Right. I've noticed there's a lot of that sort of thing in uh, uh, Bungie games. Mm -hmm. I noticed it more prominently in uh, Destiny. But it's always like in Bungie games they have the one character who's sort of the designated funny character. (laughs) And everyone else is just ultra serious army person. Mm. 
and there's this, there's this and this one person's role is just to crowbar in a quip with with their every single line of dialogue. Wasn't there a character in Destiny voiced by Nathan Fillion who had that quality? In De- in Destiny? No, well there was a Nathan Fillion in Halo. Uh but I want to uh, say there was a character voiced by Nathan Fillion in Destiny or someone who sounded a lot like him. V- listen, that's very very possible. Who so. had a who had a similar role? It was just they were they were Captain Quip. In the middle of serious dialogue, his, that was his job to say quip. <laughs> I say funny thing now. <laughs> I think that's a failure of writing. Yes. Characters should be more nuanced. Hmm. People should be capable of being funny when they're in the right mood. Yes. There shouldn't just be one funny person. You shouldn't be clicking off the quip quota, quota if you will. Yeah. Yes. Checking the quip quota. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you, but but then again, that just that goes back to your initial assessment, which is not filling, not properly filling the role that they need to be right. And so, if, right. if Nathan Fillion is always quipping all the time, and you're in a serious moment, it takes you out of the game. Yes, and so you're not filling your purpose. Uh, yeah, which is which is the same. Uh, I feel I feel as. Taking you out of the world with uh, the 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 fire keeper or with Navi, and the same as uh, as just annoying you with sounds like like uh, Baby Mario. <laughs> All right, mm. so we're we're closing in on the algorithm. Mm-hmm. Is what is the formula for a perfect non-annoying NPC? They have yeah. to uh, make sense in context. Mm-hmm. They have to make sense in the context of the world. Mm-hmm. They have to be fulfilling an intended purpose. Yes. Right, that's where we are so far. Uh, yeah, and that that all makes sense to me. Let's uh, let's see here. Here's uh, next on the list. I put Toad, the original Toad from the first Super Mario Brothers. Now that's an interesting case because Toad doesn't appear much in that game. His sole job is to appear at the end of each world mm-hmm. and say his, the princess is in another castle. That's his right. job. So the sole job of Toad is to say, you didn't do it. You yeah. didn't do it yet. <laughs> but, you know, that's fulfilling a purpose. It is. It, some, I mean, someone has to break it to you. Why well, hate on the guy because he got landed the shitty job? Why? Says, Sorry, Mario, you're not in this one either. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of a failure of intelligence on everyone's part here. <laughs> Maybe I we guess, should try, like, really try to work hard to figure out which castle he's in, rather than doing this weird trial and error s- approach. The, and I think if your character can re- be replaced by a sign or a note, then maybe you don't. Your character doesn't need to exist. Is I guess all I'm saying. Does that make them annoying? Though it's more sort of abs- in, the, in an abstract sense. You don't feel annoyed specifically at them. You're just generally annoyed. I'm I'm annoyed. And they are they are the deliverer of the annoyance, which is wait a minute, I'm not done yet, <laughs> right? Right. I know. I know. They say don't blame the messenger, but the messenger gets a little flack here. Come on in. Now you can come in too. Yes, all the animals come in. Well, I tell you, when he does get annoying is hmm. when they gave him a voice in later games. <gasps> oh, they just sounded yes. like someone screeching into a mic. <laughs> hey! Hey! Yes. Yes. Yeah. If, he, if if that if Super Mario was one had been fully voiced, I agree. He probably would have been one of the most annoying characters <laughs> in the world. 
Sorry, Mario. Your princess is in another castle. Try again. Hey. Oh, oh, okay. That got that got Cookie's attention. Oh my God. Now the animals are just running in and out of my office. Everyone needs pets. But another thing that's annoying about Toad is that that's another case of being unable to escape. Like mm-hmm. the dog from Duck Hunt who locks you into the sniggering animation. Yeah, There's no escape from the sequence. You're locked in to watch the Toad telling you the princess is in another castle. Mm-hmm. And you know it's coming, but there's nothing you can do. You can't <laughs> impishly jump on his head like it's a Half-Life cutscene. Right. You can't but like, skip ahead in the dialogue. The dog, though, is like, you failed, idiot. And Toad is like, you succeeded, idiot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I suppose. Like, you and did hey, it. You're, do- you're doing a great job wasting everyone's fucking time, Mario. <laughs> you did. You beat the level. You went to the castle. You defeated Bowser. But you're not done yet, dummy. <laughs> yeah, also, that wasn't Bowser, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that was like uh, well, one of Bowser's. I think that's. I think the canon is the all the Bowsers you meet up to the final world are a fake Bowser. Oh, is that? Because if you kill them with it? projectiles, then uh, they turn into like a standard enemy, like a Goomba, and then fall off the world. Oh! But in the case of the last Bowser, they don't do that. They just turn into Bowser as they fall off the world. Oh, so he like he like used some magic on some henchmen interesting presumably they did something similar in super mario land on the game boy where you go where you find the princess at the end of each world and then the princess turns into a standard monster and goes psych and runs off screen <laughs> okay all right i'll buy that which oh. which was annoying but in that case intentionally so right. and a little bit creepy sort of cronenbergy body horror moment when the princess turns into a, a giant spider and jumps away like, do you think, do you think like Bowser learned that spell so he could just, you know, have princess around like, you know, minion toad, you will be my princess tonight. Oh, boss. No. <laughs> well, I wasn't thinking it until you brought that up, but now I never will never stop thinking that. <laughs> Bowser is inherently creepy. He kid, he kidnaps women to try to force them to marry him. He does creepy stuff. I'm sorry. You ever read uh, Oglaf? Mm-mm. It's uh, like a, a raunchy webcomic, and they like there was a, one of their strips. They covered this very topic, uh-huh. where they depicted like a scene, kind of like the scene from the start of Excalibur, where Uther Pendragon says, "Disguise me as uh, my enemy's wife, so I can sleep with her because I fancy her." Sure. And then the wizard's about to do it, and then the king goes, "Oh, on second thoughts, just disguise yourself as her, and I'll sleep with you." <laughs> Which would probably have been the better solution. Right? Right? And that's the kind of magic Bowser gets into. Come here, you're going to look like my lady. Well, he's look clearly like into tonight. some weird stuff. Mm. I mean, his castle's full of chains and cages and lava. Just putting that out there. Just putting that out there. I guess he keeps all that lava around because he's been defeated so many times, he's just covered in like a shell that makes it difficult to feel. Mm. So he has to stick his cock and balls in boiling lava to get any kind of gratifying sensation interesting interesting i think let's go more into the lore of bowser's kinks in another episode though okay (laughs) when we have a slightly civil war over the subject of which is the most kinky character in gaming Uh, wouldn't it be um 
Bayonetta, yes, obviously. I was going to say the, the fan-made Bowsette, right? <laughs> That's just part of the wonderful spectrum of kink that Bowser represents. Exactly. When ba- Are we when- far enough off topic yet? Has this train uh, gone off a cliff yet? Zoop. Uh, all right. We already talked a bit about uh, Crestfallen Warrior from Dark Souls. He's there oh, as an missed, Oh, we missed out jump. Tingle. Oh, of missed course. Out Tingle from the Zelda series, who is a character. Yes. You know, <laughs> it's funny. I hesitate to say annoying. I might, I might say a little bit creepy eccentric but sure. if like someone if someone's trying to put their hand up your dress i guess that's annoying but you'd also want to get the fuck away uh, sure not quite, the, it's not quite the same emotion that you feel towards baby mario or the dog from duck hunt sure there's just a better ab- adjective to describe tingle tingle's weird um like i put tingle in the same in the same uh uh realm that i put like the uh Who's the seed guy from uh, Breath of the Wild? Uh, you know, you give you give all the Korok seeds to, and he does his little dance. Um, yeah, that guy. I don't know his name. He's like the seed guy. The seed guy, and so like Tingle's there, where you know it's it's and it's similar stuff that we've talked about before. It's like repetitive dialogue. You have to go through all these hoops just to like uh, listen. I just want it's even, it's even worse than Majora's Mask because like time repeats itself every three days and you have to go through his dialogues again just to get the fucking maps of him right right and you're like yes i'm familiar with this guy if you're not familiar with this character by the way perhaps we should uh summarize he's a grown man in a skin tight leotard Mm -hmm. who um has a a very suspect demeanor yes i hesitate to say things like child toucher he but, has uh, he has an admittedly like fascination he has like a weird parasocial relationship with link aka the hero of whatever and so he wants to dress like link he wants to be obs- best friends yeah. with link and he's obsessed with fairies right and he's he just wants like to go away with the fairies who will not judge him for looking up pictures of princess Sally acorn naked just, just, just you know, clear your browser just, history, Tingle. He's almost a sort of archetypal creepy dude of Japanese culture. Yes, yes. To, and, like, to me, what makes him annoying slash creepy is his fascination with with Link and, yeah, and his yeah. just uh, his obsessive, uh, you know, parasocial relationship. He's almost fulfilling the role Amy Rose fills in the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. The unwanted, the person who has unwanted love for the main character mm. and who must be constantly fobbed off. <laughs> the I fan. Mean, I, I guess I, do, you, do you get a predatory vibe from Tingle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get the vibe, like I don't get that vibe, but I do get the vibe that he would snap at any moment. Like he has the ability just to snap and turn full psycho yes i'm not sure he'd snap but i get the feeling that if you're in a situation with him things would escalate yes things would escalate and somewhere you'd have to draw the line and that's when he'd start getting nasty yes the the classic if you give a mouse a cookie like okay like yeah fine tingle we're friends i just need these maps oh we're friends now and then he needs more and more and more yeah Yeah. Mm. is that like that's intentionally annoying though right this is intention. I don't know if I don't know if it's annoying or if it's comedy. 
and and like Tingle is like failed comedy because you know that's a cultural thing where I think he's in there for yucks. So he's a Jar Jar Binks. Yes. I, that's right. that's how I read it. I could be very wrong. Okay, then. that's that's another facet of annoyance, I suppose. <laughs> the failed comedy character. Mm. Mm. So you, you're intended. You're almost intended to be annoyed by him, but you're supposed to laugh as well, right? Like good-natured annoyance. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Which is like that. That in itself is a whole different conversation about like yeah, you know he's like he's like. Um, um dandelion in the witcher series yeah <laughs> yes you i mean in that case you're you're supposed to be annoyed the way Geralt is annoyed by him but he's sort of lovable as well yes that's a really good example of a character who is annoying but in a in a quirky and lovable way yeah probably so in the tv show hmm I think that's because, you know, going back to our earlier conversation about having a well-rounded character, Dendillion. Um, oh, sorry. No, I mispronounced the, the official character. No, I, there. I think it's Dandelion. Uh, in, the, in the first Witcher audiobook, the, uh, the guy who's reading it pronounces it Dandelion. And in was, every. Was he from space? Was he from space? Yes, he might was, have been. Was, an the, alien. was it the person reading from space? <laughs> for not knowing how to pronounce dandelion well but in every book after that uh, he pronounces it dandelion but i much prefer dandelion i think that's okay. that's so, much more fun i suppose it does sound more like a fantasy character's name than dandelion yes um and so i, I am dandelion of house uh tulip I, I think officially in the books it was pronounced Dandelion until the games came around and made Dandelion much more popular. Okay. Is what I believe happened. I don't know. In any case, Dandelion well, it, well, is way more It's pretty annoying of a character to provoke endless discussion of how you're supposed to pronounce his name, I suppose. <laughs> uh, the author's Polish. You know, it's 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 a translation thing. The The point is... Um, that's a great example of someone who can pull off annoyance for comedy's sake. Right. Uh, and because... It helps if they don't have a high-pitched voice, like Just Jar Jar Binks does. Putting that out there. Um, the, what helps is the well-roundedness of his characters. You understand why Dandelion does the things he does, what is motivating him. He is playing his annoyance to the top of his intelligence. Yes. He is playing a fantasy-setting bard mm-hmm. in accordance with the, the Dungeons & Dragons tradition of what bards are like. Uh, you know, super horny yeah. all the time. <laughs> they're, the, they're the high charisma build. Yes, exactly. And so it's... It, it makes sense, whereas a, a tingle. <laughs> Sorry, um, Toffee was just passing comments on the subject of tingle there. Whereas Carry tingle on. is just that. No, Toffee, thank you for for making me uh, wrap up so succinctly. Tingle is a. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, there's no there's no going up from there, so we can move on. Toffee, Toffee, you're an. You're a natural on screen. The you camera were, you, loves you, baby. You were born for it, Toffee. Uh, we can move on to um, the adoptable kids from Skyrim. Ooh. Who, now, I never played much Skyrim, so um, perhaps you would fill me on some context here. 
in uh, in the first big town you go to, White Run. That's like the the big the big city, the first big city that you go to. Um, children NPCs will will stop you and like beg you for cash. And if you give them some cash, there are some in-game benefits um, where you get, I want to say you get better barter, you you get better prices in the shops um, for like an in-game hour because of your charity. Yeah, that's a character we could have added to the list, the, the beggars from Assassin's Creed. Ooh, there you go. Well, the, the children are probably very similar, but but after you give them like one coin, they will always ask you to be like can you be my parent can you be my parent i'll come and live with you and it's like i just gave you a gold shilling girl yeah Yeah. see that's the general problem with skyrim and a lot of bethesda games characters just don't act like human beings (laughs) like when you isn't the case when you join like any faction in that game is like you completed three missions you can now be our king <laughs> you can now be the head of the thieves guild right there's literally no one else we are considering for the role <laughs> exactly and the, and the children fall along the same line where oh, oh yeah get uh, that cord carry on just uh, uh the, the children fall along the same line where like the game wants you to know that you can have a family and do this role-playing thing uh, but instead of unveiling it naturally, it's just like, you can adopt me. I can live with you. Adopt me. Let me live with you. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's annoying when they come across as needy. Mm-hmm. Something like Stardew Valley, forming a relationship with someone and marrying them feels doesn't feel annoying because, you know, there's a long. it's a fairly long process. You have to put some mm-hmm. work into it. Yeah. Which... I mean, you can seduce pretty much any character in the Fable games. Right. But there was no real reason to. <laughs> it was just when they spoke to you, it was like, would you like to like become my friend? Please become my friend. Be oh, you want friends. to be my friend? Well, give me presents. Give me <laughs> presents and then I will. Then you will be my friend. That's how it works. It's, it's kind of how it works. Maybe that's a, that's a factor here. Like when we're talking, when we're talking about like making it natural, I think one of the things that makes a story element so natural is time is like letting elements sit and stew. And instead of, instead of just, you know, pressing two buttons and being able to adopt a kid, putting in the work required to do that, you know, mm. if we're otherwise, going, there's almost an element of condescension, I suppose. Hmm. It was like, Hey, do you want to adopt a kid? You can do it right now. It's easy. It's easy enough for you, stupid pillocks, playing yeah, just, the game. Just grab a kid and they'll be in your house. That's how the game works. Just grab children. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Or maybe it, maybe like it's condescending in a different way where it's an underdeveloped It's a little condescending to think we might get attached to them in like the mm. time it takes to give them one coin. Attached enough to want to put them in your house. Right. It's it's like sort of points to a writer or developer not really understanding how human emotions work. Uh, we have we have just met and I love you. <laughs> it's it's either that or they had these grand ideas for this gameplay mechanic where you can have a family and it has certain in-game benefits, but 
you know, they had to ship the game. So they just scrapped all of that and gave you two button prompts, in which case it's a it's a game mechanic that is not developed correctly. And that's condescending in a different on a different side of the coin. You know, just to move this podcast in a sort of wrapping up sort of direction. I sure. think with this whole conversation, I've realized that the best way to make an NPC character not annoying mm. is just to write them well. Ooh, well, that's, that's basically the essence of it. Just make them yeah. seem like a real person and write them well. And, and that's something that you are currently dealing with in Starstruck Vagabond, the game that you are currently developing. Yes. I want to have NPCs who can join your crew. Right. And so what what sort of and obviously like you are you are a uh you know, I don't know if I don't know if we can call you prolific, but you have written many things in your life. I don't That's know true. what the definition for prolific is. So I've written a lot. Well, it just means someone who writes a lot. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, I am prolific. Okay, all right. Then we can call you pro. You are a prolific author. You have a ton of experience writing well-rounded characters, in my opinion. What are you bringing to your NPCs in your game to help make them feel real? Like, for example, is there a backstory in your head that you might not write down on the page and just say, oh, this is how this person would act? Well, I suppose the the key points I work out before I worked anything out, because a lot of things like backstory can get worked out in the process of writing mm, the characters' mm-hmm. things or just putting them in situations. What I try to work out just initially is what their strengths are as a character, what uh, qualifies them to be an agent in the plot, uh-huh. and what their major flaws are as well, what gets in the way of them mm. achieving their goals. Okay. And I think that's the most important thing for me is that they have some kind of flaw that they have to overcome sure there is a process of the character they're not just there (laughs) some of the characters it might come across as annoying but um in the end i would hope you would see the line the, the line on the graph the the process they've gone through to become a developed character mm. like the characters in spiritfarer mm. i mean on paper mm. a lot of those can seem annoying they take up space on your boat and demand you give them presents and build stuff and feed them but at the end when you take them to the everdor at the end of their arc mm. almost all of them that's when you start to realize who they are as people sure and realize where they were coming from with all their annoying habits I think that's a that's a really important it's a it's a really important statement to say like your character needs a flaw. And you know, there's a lot of debate on what like what a flaw is. Uh I think you and I have mentioned many many times that uh you know, Laura Croft's uh char- character flaw in the new games is is a little suspect. I'm trying to remember or or not not Laura Croft, uh, Nathan Drake. His flaw, his flaw is that he's, um, is he, uh, he quips too much, right? <laughs> like that doesn't count yeah. as a flaw. Yeah. A flaw is something that should get in the way of the character's goal. Yes. That's, the essence of a character is their goal. And if their flaw doesn't get in the way of that goal, then it's not a flaw. Mm, yes. And so like being very qu- determined is not a flaw. <laughs> or, <laughs> Being really an angry and violent is not a flaw if Mm. your goal is to kill a bunch of stuff. Right, right. 
Uh, no, but I, I think like that's a that's a really important thing. And uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm I'm thinking about this a lot because I'm gearing up uh, a new uh, Dungeons and Dragons campaign with a bunch of people who um, have not played before. Uh, because I just need to, I need to create more friends who play so I can play more. And we've been dealing with a lot of that on the, on the role-playing side of things, which is like your character, like what, what's driving you to do this? Do you, do you want to go on an adventure for money, for fame, uh, to help people, you know, for vengeance? Like, why do you want to do it? And you also need a flaw so that we can play with that in a role-playing sense. Are you jealous? Are you so money-hungry that you're greedy? You know, these uh, yes, sort of but things. But does that get in the way of their goal? Being money-hungry can be useful for a goal if your goal is to have a lot of money. If your greed means you make reckless decisions, it can be, because if you make reckless decisions, that can get you killed or make you lose gold. So their flaw is recklessness, not greed. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> there you go. Sure, I suppose that was that was me putting the cart before the horse. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm probably projecting a certain image. I've just realised sitting here on my comfy couch in a dressing gown with a little chihuahua on my lap, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. in in this relaxed pose. Mm-hmm. It's it's just occurred to me. Maybe people will have trouble relating with me in these troubled times. Would it help uh, if I said it's a little bit cold in this office? I think what you are doing is projecting um, projecting the things we all want. We would all like to just be sitting on a comfy couch in a robe with some sort of fuzzy thing to pet. And so you're well, living your best life. I should, you know, perhaps I should be checking my privileges. <laughs> Perhaps you should always do that, but you should also live your best life. Yep. Do you agree, Toffee? <laughs> Toffee is really happy about your robe and couch. I'll, I'll say that. Toffee seems on board. All right. Well, then that seems like a great place to wrap things up. NPCs. Some good, some bad. Yeah. Some how you make one to the other is a matter for your... I don't know. That's fair. Make, make good ones, not bad ones. And maybe our <laughs> advice will help. Maybe. And uh, if you're just listening to this podcast, this discussion was inspired by our slightly Civil War episode debating which is the more annoying NPC, the duck, the dog from Duck Hunt, or the uh, Baby Mario from Yoshi's Island. You can watch that over on escapistmagazine.com where you can become an Escapist Plus member, which gives you all sorts of benefits. I know I just recently filmed my Ask the Creators segment. Oh shit, I need to do that today. You do need to do that. Where You can ask us uh, creators specific questions and we will just talk about that for a long, long time Thanks to Omar for editing that down. Uh, all right. And <laughs> yeah. uh, remember to follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Yahtzee Croshaw. I'm at Harlack. You can follow The Escapist on at Escapist Magazine. Mm-hmm. And Toffee uh, doesn't have a Twitter yet. Oh, and thanks for listening. We'll slightly see you later. Fuck you. Toffee, your language. Ooh.